If you would, bow your heads with me and, and pray with me, and I'd ask you to pray for me as well. God, we, we're thankful this morning for the joy that we have in Christ. We're thankful for this opportunity to gather freely here by your grace to magnify Christ. God, we, we are thankful for your spirit who opens our ears so that we can hear Christ. And Lord, I pray that we would be filled with a desire to exalt Jesus in everything we, we do when we gather together in these precious times that you have selected for our Christian lives. Again, God, I, I, I know that this, this is a, a blessing to be here. This building is not the church. This, this, this fellowship apart from Christ is not an expression of worship. But when we, the people of God, are brought together in this building to fellowship with you, God, you are discipling us. You are, you are our intimate, intimate Lord. And we are fellowshipping with you in a way that is, is transcendent. It's beyond human understanding. So God, I pray that you would open our eyes to realize that this morning. This is truly, as I said last week, a set apart, a sacred, a holy convocation, a holy gathering where your redeemed people bow in humility before you, contrite and yet joyful because of Christ and his great love for us, which was displayed at the cross and through his righteous, obedient life and testified to through the glorious resurrection and ascension of our risen Savior. Jesus, we thank you for not only saving, but for now presently interceding. Even as we're here this morning, God, we, we know that Jesus is praying that our praise and understanding would magnify him. And Jesus, I want your prayers to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that you would do all this. For your praise and for our good, I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. As I said earlier, this, this past week at our church life conference, we were blessed by, by great teaching, and I would say also by great fellowship in Christ. Every night when we gathered here together, I believe God was glorified in our songs in the preaching of the word, in our self-examination, and in our intimate fellowship with one another. What I, what I witnessed this last week, I think, is a, a blessing of God's grace to us as a church. And as I was thinking about what I witnessed, what we saw happening as the bodies of Christ were joined together and magnified His great love and His work I believe we saw true worship come forth from this place. And as I was thinking about that, it reminded me of something that John Bunyan said. You know, the guy who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. He said this, Church fellowship, when it is healthy and productive, is the glory of the world. No place, no community, no fellowship is decorated and spangled with such beauties as the church is when it is rightly knit together with their head, each lovingly serving one another. End quote. This is what happens when the people of God gather together to glorify Christ, 
in spirit and in truth. I believe we saw that this week, and we need to take note of that, I think, highly important blessing that God's given to us. The gathering of God's people is really like no other gathering on this earth, is it? This is so separate and sacred. It should just astound us that he brings together his blood-bought people in unity, though we are diverse, though we are not all alike, yet he brings us here and there is this community, there is this fellowship of the saints in Christ that magnifies Jesus. And that is precious in his sight. It's humbling to us as well. It's good for us to be humble and contrite before our God. I think when forgiven sinners gather to, to humbly declare God's praise, I believe according to scripture that God is present and at work in our fellowship. Listen to how the prophet Isaiah stated that in Isaiah 57:15. He says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And then notice this. And also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Here's why. When we come before him contrite and humble, praising him for how great he is, here's why he comes and dwells with us. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. Saints, when we come together like that, God is present and he is at work. He wants to revive us. And I think that's an astounding truth that we need to cling on to here this morning. Knowing that we are in God's presence, I think, has a way of humbling us. It has a way of reviving our souls. And I think that we witnessed that this week. When we gather together to give God praise. I think Hebrews 10 19 to 25 helps, I think, reinforce that truth. It helps us remember that this is not just a, a passing fancy, a, a feeling and an emotional rush that we had when we gathered with other churches and we worshiped God together. No, this is something I think that God wants us to, to realize and be refreshed by every single time we come together, every time we meet in this place and gather in Christ's name. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews 10, 19. I'm going to give you a little outline here. Try to stick with this, but it's, it's basically this. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 reveals to us three reasons. Three reasons we should gather together often. Now, I'll say this. There are many more, many more applications of this text, and I realize that, but this is the one that I do believe is what God has placed on my heart to focus on this morning. In this text, we learn that God blesses his people in a special way when we gather together to, number one, exalt Christ's accomplishment. To exalt Christ's accomplishment. And he blesses his people in a special way when we gather together to, number two, renew our commitment. Renew our commitment. And thirdly, I believe that God blesses his people in this text. He, he makes it clear that he does this in a special way when we gather together to, number three, cultivate encouragement. Let me just repeat those to you. God blesses his people when they gather together to exalt Christ's accomplishment, to renew our commitment, and to cultivate encouragement. 
We see that in the text this morning, Hebrews 10, 19. Let me read this to you, down to verse 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us, just think about this verse, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All the more as we see the day drawing near should we be prepared to cultivate encouragement, to renew our commitment and to exalt Christ's accomplishment when we have opportunity to gather together. Hebrews 10 I'd say 19 to 22, tells us that God will bless God will bless us with, number one, confidence. Confidence when we gather together to exalt Christ's accomplishment personally through self-examination, through self-realization of what Christ has done to bring us near to God. That will, that will be the way that God blesses us with confidence. It's through Christ's accomplishment that we'll grant, be granted confidence. Listen to Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 again. Therefore, brothers, basically knowing that your sins are forgiven, he's saying, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The purpose of this text is to, to remind us, I think, that because of Christ, we can, because of Christ's accomplishment, we can draw near to a holy God. Now, folks, I know me, and I think I know you, when it comes to our holiness. We are deficient. We are sinners saved by grace. We stumble. We fall. We fall short of the glory of God. We aim at the wrong things. We pursue the wrong things. And yet, yet we are told in this text, we can draw near to God who is holy and righteous and without any stain. Yet he can receive us only based on the work of his son, Jesus Christ. This should stir up some confidence in you. You're not coming before God based on your own righteousness, your own works, your own religiosity. You can come before a holy God through Jesus, your righteousness, your substitute. Through his accomplishments, forgiven sinners can, can draw near to a holy God. Now, now think about this. He, he's not saying you can, you can stand before the judgment of God. He's saying, no, you can draw near. This is a, t- a term of affection. You can draw near like you would to your father. Like you would run up and grab your dad. 
You can draw near. It's, it's intimate drawing near. It's fellowship with God without fear is what he's talking about. And we do that by faith in Christ and what he has accomplished. We trust in his life. We trust in his death. We look to his resurrection as the hope of our justification. This says we are declared right based on Jesus. Therefore, we can run to Abba, Father, without fear this morning. This is astounding. This is astounding. And I want to say this. When you come here weekly and hear the word preached, it is to build up this confidence in your souls. It is to help you to draw near to God. Because sometimes you may feel distant from Him because of your sins. And just know that through Christ, we have an advocate with the Father. He's pleading our case. When Satan accuses us, he is standing in our place saying, No, he is forgiven. To tell us, it is finished. I have paid the price. He can come to the Father without fear, with confidence. Verse 19 says that forgiven sinners can have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. That means by the death of Jesus, by the sacrifice that Jesus went through to make us God's children. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? This this text is saying that through faith in Jesus' work alone, we can come to God. That's good news for me. Because my works, my works could never please God. It's not saying that you, you can come to the Father because of your goodness, because of your pursuit of holiness, because of your religious activity. It's no, it's saying that we can come directly into God's holy presence through the righteous works of Christ alone, what He accomplished through Him and through His work alone. We can have rest. We can come before God at peace in our hearts knowing that we have been forgiven and fully atoned for by the death of our Lord Jesus Christ who became our substitute. Through his blood we have confidence to enter into God's throne room. That's why he can hear your prayers when you call out to him. Jesus has drawn you near to him through his sacrifice. This is astounding. It's astounding because sometimes, I'll be honest with you guys, sometimes I do not feel worthy to come before him. I do not feel confident to come before him because of my sins. But this text says that we can have confidence. That confidence is based on Christ's accomplishments, on faith in Christ's accomplishments, not on our own performance. That's why I can come before him when I have fallen short of the glory of God. I am trusting in Christ to satisfy God's requirements on my behalf. And he says, you're mine. Come to the Father through my work, not your performance. This confidence, I think, is cultivated by texts like Hebrews 9. Turn your pages to the left there a little way. Hebrews 9, 11 to 14. Look what it says here. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, 
not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. When your conscience feels as if you can't come before God because you have fallen short of His glory, He's saying, look to Christ. It will purify your conscience so that you can come to Him, so that you can serve the living God, not based on your performance, but on Christ's accomplishment. We can come before him with this confidence, having our conscience made clean by Christ. Ponder this promise here. It says that Jesus' blood, his life, his righteous life has been given up for us. And it's been credited to our account. It's saying that his blood is now covering us. We have the cloak of Christ's righteousness that makes us acceptable in the Father's presence. That's glorious. Go back with me to Hebrews 10, 20. This, this tells us in this text that we can now enter into God's holy presence. It says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, through his substitutionary sacrifice. Now, it's interesting here how the writer of Hebrews states this. He says, now we can come before God By the new and living way. This is the way that God has always planned for us to come before him. This was God's eternal plan from before the foundation of the world. But saints, what he's saying here is this. This is a a new and a perennial, a ever fresh way to come before God. That's what this means. It's a living way. He ever lives to intercede for us. It's constantly fresh. When you come before God through Christ... You are being received as if, as if it was the very day of Christ's atonement when he died for you on the cross. His sacrifice, his blood pleads your case as fresh as it did in Jerusalem on that day. When you come before him by faith. We have a new and living way that, that opens the door of fellowship with God back up to us. Even when we fall short of his glory. It is through Christ's life that we find grace. And help at the time of our need. It's by faith in Christ's sacrifice that this way to God has been open for us forever. Just think about this, church. We have, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, as blood-bought, forgiven sinners, we have this. We have unhindered access to God through Christ's accomplishment. And that should revive your heart this morning. That should make you want to draw near to God, to exalt Christ, and to encourage the saints to commit yourself to following after what he has commanded us to do as his church, his bride here on earth. That knowing this, that we can draw near to God, I find, I find very comforting in, in other ways, besides the fact that we're coming here this morning to worship with one voice and glorify him as a church. Knowing that I can draw near to God in a fresh and living way, all the time through Christ, 
I'm comforted in knowing that I can bring all of my needs to him and he hears them afresh every time. Even if it's the same things that I bring time and time again, he hears them as if it's the first time I've said them and he is compassionate toward me. He is hearing me. He has inclined his ear toward me, Psalm 116 says. He has leaned in to listen to my, my requests, my needs. He is near to me because I've been drawn near to him through Christ's atonement. I can draw near to God when I'm fearful. I can draw near to God when I need cleansing for my soul, when I have fallen short, when I have sinned. I can come before him, confess my sins, and know he is faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness in Christ. And I'm comforted by that. And my my fellowship with him is fueled, and my desire to magnify Christ's accomplishment is, is magnified in my life and in my worship. Hebrews 10.21 says we can do this because we have a great priest. 10.21 says we have a great priest over the house of God. We know that that's Jesus. He is the great high priest who is interceding for his people when, when we are crying out and when we are in need, when we are weak. I, I, love, this, I love this truth here. Saints, listen. Jesus is presently praying for you. When you feel like you've been abandoned, when you feel like you have failed God miserably, don't you know Jesus is praying for you and Jesus gets what he wants? Your sanctification, your salvation. If he's praying for it, you're getting it. That's comforting. And not only that, when Jesus prays for us, he's a sympathetic high priest. He knows our struggles intimately. He has lived on this planet in our place Conquered temptation for us. And he is now pleading before the Father on our behalf with sympathy, with compassion. It's not just sovereignty and authority, but he's doing this with compassion toward us. Because he knows how weak we are and how needy we are of his grace. That's comforting, church. This text is telling us we can draw near to God by faith. Alone. Not by our works. Not by our righteousness, not by our pursuits of religious activity or holiness. We become holy in Christ. We want that after Christ has saved us. But it's not the basis on which we come before God and find ourselves being accepted. He accepted us when we were at our worst. And he is now sanctifying us progressively to look more and more like Christ. When we come near to God, we draw near to God and we worship him This text is telling us we can do it with full assurance that we will not be rejected. According to verse 22 here, look at this. It says, let us draw near. It means come near to God. This is coming near to God with a true heart, he says. This is a worshipful heart. And do it, he says, in full assurance of faith. Why? Because your hearts have been sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water, he's saying here. Through Christ and his accomplishment. He's commanding us in this verse, let us draw near, knowing with full assurance that we have been cleansed by Christ. We've been made acceptable in God's sight through Jesus. All those who trust in this have had their hearts sprinkled clean, meaning they have been justified by God, by God's grace, meaning they have been declared right in God's sight through faith in what Christ accomplished on our behalf. Church, we we gather here weekly to be reminded of this. 
That's why we're here. It's to exalt Christ's accomplishments. And this should have a reviving effect upon our soul, not just at a conference, but every single time we gather in Christ's name. This is a great reality, a great truth that is ours as Christians who have been set apart for God's praise. When we gather with fellow redeemed sinners, I think we can testify to the greatness of his grace. We see God working in their lives. We see that Christ is exalted in their clinging to the promises of Christ. And we also see the work of God drawing us together as he cleanses his bride from our imperfections through sanctification, through discipline. This is all to the praise and the glory of Christ's name. Verse 23 there in the text goes on to tell us how that cleansing that we receive takes place in this gathering. In this gathering, this is my second point. Let me, let me just give you this. God will bless us not with just confidence, but here in this text, it will say that God will bless us with hope. Hope is not, maybe this will happen. I hope it works out. That's not the hope that the Bible's talking about here. This word hope, you could actually insert the word assurance in its place. God will bless the gathered church with hope, assurance, when we gather together to, secondly, renew our commitment to him practically. Practically. Hebrews 10.23 says, let us hold fast the confession. Now, this is a practical application of what the writer of Hebrews is giving us here. One is internal, subjective, verse 22. Here he's talking about something more objective. It's a confession that we make. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. And the hope is the gospel. Let, it do, let us do it, he says, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 23 tells us that our commitment, our commitment to God is revived by remembering that God is faithful. Remembering God's promises that are revealed in our confession. And that confession that we give flows from the word of God itself. You see verse 23? Hold fast. Hold fast. I'm going to talk about that in a couple of minutes here, but pay attention to that, okay? Hold fast means cling to your commitment. And through that commitment, you can draw near to God. You will be renewed when you gather together with this mindset. Why? Why? How does that happen? You will have your commitment renewed when you gather often with the church and listen to God speak. When you hear the word of promise, which is our hope in Christ, when you hear that brought forth to you through the washing of preaching the word, through the teaching of the word, you will have your commitment and your hope revived. The word of God is living and active. It is at work in those who hear it that are born again. If there is no response to the word in preaching, you need to examine yourself to see if you're born again. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. He is our resident teacher. And there will be evident, evident marks upon those who are taught by the Spirit. And one would be this. You will be changed by the preaching of the word. If that's not happening... I seriously doubt your salvation. If there is no response to the word that brings repentance, contrition, humility, praise, adoration, thanksgiving, change of life, then I would ask you to seriously 
Examine yourself and cry out in mercy to God that you would be saved. Biblical preaching, I think, is the means God's given to stir up our commitment and to give us assurance of our salvation. God uses that in the heart of the, the redeemed. You respond to the word of God because the spirit of God is in you and he is, he is confirming these things. He is applying these things to your soul. Biblical preaching is meant to do that. It's meant to remind you and revive you and reveal to you your hope in Christ and his work and renew your commitment to your confession of faith that you have made publicly. You do this so that you can be drawn near to God with confidence. See, preaching, preaching should, should make you examine yourself and then fall on your knees before the glorious grace of Christ and say, thank you, Jesus. And that brings assurance. See, the true, the true believer has no fear of examining himself to see if he's in the faith. Because at the end of the day, for the true believer, his hope is in Christ. Not in his own abilities to please God. By examining ourselves, that's what we are thrown back onto. It's the, the rock Christ Jesus that breaks our stony hearts and makes us remember that he is our foundation stone. And I would ask you, as one of your pastors, that you would pray that Nate and I continually and faithfully do what we're called to do in preaching the word of God, so that you can hold fast to your hope in Christ. Verse 23 said, let us hold fast. Now, hold fast is a very interesting term. I'll put it in the way that I understand it, okay? And this is what the, the, the Greek text is talking about. Let us hold fast, which means let us nail it down. Nail it down. It could also mean let us maintain the confession of our hope, our assurance, without wavering. We do that. We, we nail down what we believe. We nail down and maintain what we believe when we are being washed in the word. And one of God's means of grace to the church is to the, 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 the weakness of, of preachers. His word is brought forth to his people so that they would be encouraged, so that they would be able to hold fast, nail down what you believe with confidence. So that you can grow in the truth and the knowledge of Christ and magnify him and come before him with full assurance of faith that you have been born again. In my understanding, my estimation of preaching, um, I believe God is most glorified. This is a, the pinnacle of our worship service. God is speaking to us through the word. This is the pinnacle. This is why it's essential that we gather often to hear God speak, not the preacher, not the teacher, that God's word as he speaks to us is, is shaping us. Understand, preaching is God's hammer that he uses to drive the nail of hope down deep into our souls so we can come before him knowing that we are nailed to Christ. We are secure in Christ. And the preaching of Christ's accomplishments and the truth of God's word helps nail that and drive it home down deep into our soul. Now in this verse, verse 23 the word confession is referring to the profession that we have, we have made, that we have placed our faith in Christ and his works alone. In other words, this confession is, is what we have placed our faith in, which is the gospel, the good news given to us by God about his son becoming our sacrifice and our intercessor 
our great high priest. And how's the gospel come to you? It comes to you through the foolishness of preaching. The gospel comes to you as a church weekly. I don't want you to grow uh, complacent in that. I want you to understand this is God's time. This is God's blessing to give you hope, to bless you with his word of truth. The gospel comes to you weekly through the revealing of Christ's work as it is declared through preaching and teaching. That's why the equipping hour as well as the preaching hour should be attended by everyone who is a member of this church consistently. Not because we're legalistic about it. Not because we're hung up about you missing. No, you need this. We need you. We want to hear from God. We want to learn together how to magnify Jesus. That's why preaching and teaching is important. The preacher and the teacher is not important. The truth is. How how much intake of God's word do you get during the week? How, how, How precious is this coming together to rejoice in it? As a result of what you've been doing at home. And then to be washed in the word by God himself. That is a precious and, and I think astounding reality. In Ephesians 5 when, when Paul is writing and telling husbands and wives their, their unique roles and positions. He's saying that you're doing what you do to magnify my love for the church. And one of the most beautiful things to me in Ephesians is this. The church at Ephesus was placed in a pagan society. Most of the women who lived in that community grew up serving or being a part of the service to the goddess, which was expressed through prostitution. So when Jesus is saying, I wash the church with the word, he's saying, I've taken a harlot And I'm continually cleansing her from her defilement. I'm continually cleansing her from her weak conscience, her feelings of insecurity. I'm cleansing her. I'm washing her constantly in the word. And church, that's what happens when we come here as his bride. We come with weak consciences. We come spoiled by sin. And the Lord Jesus, our great husband in love, Washes us through his word. That's why we want you to be here. Jesus is blessing his people through this cleansing and this purifying effect of preaching the word. Through the word we learn to confess that we who were once foul and rejected due to our sins are now accepted by God because of Christ who was condemned in our place and died our death and His blood now washed us and made us clean. That's when we confess what we confess. When we hear preaching, our hearts should leap out of our chest. Praise God! Jesus, thank you! I've been made clean. I'm acceptable in your sight. When I hear that preached and taught and sang, my heart is renewed and revived once again. When we come together under the preaching of the word, we learn to confess that we now hate our sins and love righteousness because we now know that the spirit of holiness is at work in us. We hear that testified to through the preaching of the word as we're being called to sanctification. We know that we can do that because the spirit of God dwells in us by God's grace. 
And he's the one compelling us to hate sin and love righteousness. And to love the gospel so much that we're willing to share it with anybody and everybody with confidence. Because we know we have experienced the power of Christ ourselves. Therefore, let us hold to our confession with confidence, without wavering. Our confidence is in Christ. And that's the only way sinners can ever find hope. Our confidence and our confession of that reality that we are in Christ through his sacrifice made clean is based on what it says there at the end of verse 23. We're able to come to God with confidence because he who promised is faithful. Church, this this gathering, this gathering that we are experiencing right now, this time we're actually experiencing right now, just know that God is present and he is wanting to bless us with this confidence This gathering is where God has chosen to remind us on a continual basis through preaching and personal edification that we are beloved, that we are his bride whom he has devoted himself to to sanctify so that we could magnify his great love on the earth. God wants us to do that in a number of ways. That leads me to my third point. God will not only bless us with confidence and with hope as we gather together in his name often. God will also bless us with his agape, with his love. When we gather together to thirdly cultivate encouragement corporately, corporately. There's a progression here. It starts personally and it becomes practical. And now it's corporate. You see that? We personally exalt Christ's accomplishment that allows us personally to come before the holy God and give him praise and draw near to him with a true and cleansed heart. And then practically that happens when we hold fast to our confession, being taught the word, sharing in the truth as we gather together often. But it leads to this, the expression of God's love coming out of us. If we are personally doing this and practically doing this, he's saying this is what's going to be cultivated in your lives. It'll cultivate encouragement corporately as you gather often in his name. What it says in verse 24, after stating that God is faithful, he says, and let us consider how. Now, here's the application. You get it? He's rejoiced with us in the truth. He's pointed us to the truth. And now he says, now here's how it works. Here's what faith looks like when it works. Let us. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now this is fantastic. He's saying, as a result of these previous truths, verse 24, now let's consider what's this look like practically? What's this look like corporately? Because he's talking about the corporate gathering here. Let us not fail to meet together often. When I look at this text, I see a few things that stand out to me. I see encouragement being spoken of here. I see fellowship being spoken of here. I see discipleship even being spoken of here. But all these things, what I see is is really important is this. All these things, they begin here. 
They begin here. This is where it starts. That's why it's important to be here often, to be a part of the people of God and grow in the truth. It all begins by gathering together to exalt Christ corporately. Then it flows out into our interaction personally. This is how God's love is expressed to us when we gather together often. When we gather as the body of Christ to exalt Jesus' work and draw near to God through our public confession, right? In this this setting, God wants to, to, to lead us to personal encouragement, to spiritual fellowship and intimate discipleship. When we gather, here's what's going on. Understand this. If you want those things in your life, if you want that going on personally and you want it done practically, it begins here corporately. This is the spring from which that flows. That should be magnified in the way we live it out outside of here. But this is where it starts. This corporate gathering is setting the tone for our personal interaction. And we saw that all week, didn't we? Hallelujah. When we gathered together to hear the word proclaimed, people were getting here early for this conference. People were leaving at 1030 at night after the conference. They were being encouraged through preaching. They were being in fellowship with God through preaching. They were being discipled through preaching. And as a result of that, it overflowed into their interaction. Understand this. This gathering, this Sunday gathering, is the forge where biblical encouragement and love is fashioned. The Spirit of God uses this gathering to stoke up the coals within us and fashion us into Christ's likeness. And church, this is God's plan. Not some preacher's, not some pastor's idea. This is God's means of grace for his people. There is just something about the magnification of Christ that is just mind-boggling when you see forgiven sinners come together on the Lord's Day and sing praises to his name. It is a sweet aroma unto God when our hearts are being conformed to Christ and woven together in the local church. Let me ask you some questions. To think about this morning. Number one. Do you long for this? Do you long. I'm going to give you some good news. These are questions I want to ask you. But I want to give you some good news about this. Okay. Just listen. Do you long for personal encouragement? I would say we all say yes to that. Do you long for it? The long is the key word here. Do you long for it? I mean. There are some things in life that I long for. I like peanut butter and jelly late at night with a big cold glass of milk. And I will long for that all day long. Can't wait till after supper. Jump into it. Enjoy every spoonful of it. But I hope you long for personal encouragement more than that. Understand this. If you long for that, there's good news. If you long for personal encouragement, understand this, that during our corporate gathering, we are being, get this, personally encouraged by God the Father himself through his word. Is that not astounding? 
If you want this in your life, get this. You're getting it when you gather together with the church and God speaks. It's, it's not just the preacher. It's God the Father speaking to encourage you personally. This is a word to you from God. That's astounding. Secondly, do you ache for spiritual fellowship? Do you ache for spiritual fellowship? If you do, rejoice. Because, get this, that's what you're experiencing right now. We're experiencing spiritual fellowship with God the Holy Spirit as He speaks to us through His Word. There is no greater, no greater spiritual fellowship you're going to have with any human. You're going to have this with God in the corporate gathering. God the Spirit is speaking to you. He is spiritually intimately fellowshipping with you as you hear him speak the words of Christ clearly from the gospel, from the good news, from the word. You're in spiritual fellowship with God, the Holy Spirit. He's searching the heart. He's revealing your sins. He's comforting your your fears. That's intimate fellowship. Thirdly, do you desire intimate discipleship? personal discipleship do you desire this if so rejoice again and rest in knowing that you are right now being intimately get this intimately discipled by the master teacher himself the lord jesus christ as you grow in his truth and magnify his name together every sunday when you're here jesus is your master He's your master teacher. He's your rabbi. He is teaching you himself. You can't find a greater discipleship partner. And the way in which he most intimately disciples us is when he speaks clearly through his word to us. That's why it's important that we're here. Now, those three things that you're longing and aching and desiring for, we have in God, the triune God. We have these things. And because we have those, then we now want to share that with others. Therefore, we leave here from this gathering to express this to those that we love and care about practically. Look with me in Ephesians 3 for a second here. Ephesians 3, 3.14. Understand this, this. This meeting that we're being a part of right now is where God has ordained that encouragement, fellowship, and discipleship begins It flows out of our encouragement from him, our fellowship with him, and our discipleship from him. But then this is what it does there in 3.14. Notice what it says. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant to you to be strengthened with with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that, notice, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled or controlled with all the fullness of God. Now he says to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Notice to him. Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. See, the glory of God flows out of the church. And he's talking about the corporate gathering. 
He's talking about this, this ecclesia, this called out meeting here of God's people. And it will flow out into every relationship we have if we are truly rejoicing in this. So ask yourself, is that why you're here this morning? Are, are you here to rejoice in these things? Are you comforted by these things? Is, is, is the love of God toward you changing you and, and drawing you here? If it is, it'll be evident in what you do after you leave this place. We saw that again at the conference. It was evident that we had been personally encouraged by God and spiritually been fellowshipping with God and been intimately discipled by God because it flowed out into all of our conversations when the conference ended. If we're drawing near to exalt Christ together often, Hebrews 24 to 25, 10, 24 to 25 tells us that we will long to put that into application. If we're drawing near to exalt Christ, the way we magnify Christ is by sharing his love with others in the church, by encouraging one another. Look what it says there in 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. The text tells us and calls us, I guess, to, to respond to our confidence in Christ that we've heard through the preaching of the word, that we've, that we've experienced through our personal relationship with God as we have exalted his great accomplishments. But it's going beyond the corporate gathering here into personal application. Now you stir up one another. Right. Let us think of ways, he says, to stir up how to how to stimulate love, good deeds, encouragement. I love this this passage because the word stir up is actually taken from a, a, a Greek expression, which was to uh, to mean to to take a stick and sharpen it on one end and use it to poke the ox when it wouldn't move. So basically, let us consider how to. Poke one another on, prod one another on, provoke one another on to good works for the good of the church and for the glory of God's testimony. And see, if, if we're being ministered to by God through Christ's work and through this renewed commitment of hearing about what God has done through his word, we will then want to put this into application in our church family. This is, this is done not just when we gather here corporately, but also when we go out of here individually. It's done corporately through corporate edification, through the preaching and teaching, reproving, rebuking, exhorting. It's done individually through individual edification, through loving one another, serving one another, pursuing one another. And we all fall short of both of these. Your preachers fall short of preaching the, the word as, as faithfully and accurately as we'd like to. And we all fall short of, of fellowshipping the way we ought to. But one thing I know, God is faithful. And if we call upon him to give us strength to do this more faithfully, to give us the ability to exalt Christ corporately and individually, he will answer. Because he will be glorified through that. In our Hebrews text there, Hebrews 10 text, we see that this, this is really God's desire for our gatherings. Not to count noses, not to take up offerings. It's to come together to exalt Christ and grow together so that we could magnify his love on the earth 
This corporate encouragement is, is to be done, though, he says, I think, more intensely as we see the day drawing near. What he's saying is corporate encouragement is to be done intensely, especially in times of difficulty. In verse 25, that's what he's saying. Here we see that corporate encouragement should, should never diminish in times of difficulty, in times of hardship, trials, divisions. Rather, it should increase when times are hard, all the more, as you see the day drawing near. That's the day of Christ's return, when he comes to judge the world. Knowing that he's coming, we want to be found faithful. We want to be found doing what he's called us to do as his body on earth. And the harder it gets to be a Christian, the more we ought to draw together. As that day draws near, you need to understand, and I think you are painfully aware this week in particular with the federal court's ruling, the difficulty and opposition to Christians will increase all the more as we wait for the day of Christ, as we stand firm in the truth. As we seek to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer. Therefore, we must be coming together to renew our strength, to praise our God, call upon him in prayer. We must be doing this because we we are weak and we're needy people. I know this, the pressure of the world, the temptation of sin and the weakness of the flesh can weaken our witness. It can weaken our confidence in Christ. It can weaken our assurance of his love for us. That's why we need to continually gather together. We need prodding. We need encouragement. We need discipline. That's when we're called to continue to gather together often to do what the writer of Hebrews says here. Exalt Christ's work. Recommit our hearts to Christ. Encourage the body of Christ. And he says we need to do this more and more as the day draws near so that we'll be able to stand firm against the darkness of this world that I truly believe is trying to overshadow the church. But the good news, church, is this. The gates of Hades will not prevail against the church that Christ builds. The church that Christ builds will be marked by agape. And God will bless agape because it exalts the work of God the Son on the earth. Church, as as the glorious day of Christ's return draws near, here's my prayer. I pray that this gathering, this gathering of the saints here in our local church, I pray this gathering will become more and more dear to you because it's through this gathering that your personal encouragement is built up and that you can go out and build up one another because we have enemies out there, church who would want to tear us down, want us to be discouraged in our work, want to rob us of our joy, First John says. Wants to rob us of our joy in Christ. And we need to come here more and more as the day draws near and suffering comes. Discouragement comes. We need to draw near to God together for personal encouragement by God and also by one another. We'll also need to come together so we can experience spiritual fellowship and be able to hold up one another when we're weary in the battle. When our hearts grow weary from our battle with sin personally and with Satan and his his forces 
I, I think we need to grow together spiritually and have this koinonia, this intimate fellowship with the Spirit and with one another because we have weak hands, weak arms that need to be carried, need to be held up. So we need to draw together often. Lastly, I think it's through this, this that we make much of Christ. I think it's through our intimate discipleship that our, our minds are guarded so we can accurately confess what we believe, accurately share the truth with those who are lost. This intimate discipleship from Christ and from one another, I think, helps keep us safe from the deception that's all around us. There are, there are people sitting in churches every Sunday who are being swayed by false teaching. They have not had their minds discipled by Christ nor his people. And don't fool yourselves. It can happen in this church too. Do you lack joy? Do you lack hope? Do you lack confidence? That's the effect of Satan's forces. That testifies that you need intimate discipleship through the preaching and teaching of the word. Through the fellowship of the saints. You need spiritual fellowship. You need personal encouragement that comes through the preaching and teaching of God's word where he is working personally on your behalf and spiritually on your behalf so that you can now turn around and do that for others that are here with you because they're going to face dangers and a lack of peace and they need you. We, need, we are needy people, guys. We are a needy people. Jesus is not needy. He doesn't need us. Yet he loves us, he feeds us, he nourishes us, he strengthens us because he knows that we need his grace and his strength and the church is the greatest blessing that he has left us here on the earth. His spirit works through the church to magnify Christ. I pray that the church is the dearest place in the world to you right now. I pray that will be evident to God and to our church family as we seek to do what the writer of Hebrews says, as we seek to exalt Christ's accomplishment personally, renew our commitment to renew our minds practically, and cultivate encouragement here in the body corporately. I pray that we do this all the more as we see the day of Christ drawing near. Let's pray.